just to show you how the Lord works things out. You know, those of you who are have been coming here for a long time, you've heard me say this so many times, but and it's so true. You know, you know, Kathy chooses the songs. Kathy chooses the songs. We're talking this morning. This message is titled "Go Tell It on a Mountain." And I know I look at the bulletins. I go through them. I make I make sure the articles are proper. And she goes through and makes sure the songs haven't been sung in last Friday or last Sunday or something. So, so I really don't pay a lot of attention to the songs. I just ask you, did you check it? Oh yeah, I did. Okay, fine. This song, Higher Than the Mount, Sparkling Like a Fountain, All Sufficient Grace for Even Me. What wonderful words that we sing out. These are the new words. These are the new song that we sing in our hearts when God has come to us and called us out of that darkness we all once walked in. And I say this for our Visitors, we are titled First Baptist Church of Rescue. And as you know, there's many different kinds of Baptist churches. We kind of fall under a group of folks that we call Sovereign Grace Baptist Churches. We preach the sovereign grace of Christ Jesus every Sunday, every Friday night. Every time the Lord gives me an opportunity to speak, it's about our Savior, what He's done for us and where he is right now. And that's what today's message is about. It's titled, Go Tell It on a Mountain. Turn to the book of Luke, chapter 8, if you would. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna, uh, we'll turn to Luke in a moment. Turn to Isaiah 42 first. Turn over to Isaiah 42. And I want to read two verses, three verses there, if you would. Verse 10, 11, and 12. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise from the end of the earth. Ye that go down to the sea, and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof, let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice, and the villages that Kedar doth inhabit, let the inhabitants of the rock sing, let them shout from the top of the mountains, let them give glory unto the Lord and declare His praise in the island. Let them give glory unto the Lord and declare His praise in the islands. That's what God's people do right there. Let them give glory. How many times have our religious brother, or religious family, those that uh, say, oh, I go to church on Sundays, and oh, I, I give tithings, and oh, I uh, I made a decision one day, uh, did, I decided I'd come down to the front and I'd turn my soul over to God. It was all about what they did, isn't it? Did, did you hear anything in there about what Christ had done for them? That's, that's what the purpose of us meeting together is, is to, to refresh ourselves in the grace of God's Word and to shout out, to sing the new song. Sing the new song that my Savior saved me. John didn't do anything. If it was left to John, you know me, and those of you who knew me before know I'd be right there doing what I was doing before. Exact same thing. And so would every one of you. God's purpose overrules what we call our will. We sing unto the Lord a new song. When I was a young man, I remember in my days as a child and going to church, they sang this song, Go tell it on a mountain that Christ the Lord has come. Well, that's exactly what we read in Luke chapter 8. We're in a series of studies brought from the the, the, the book of Luke, 
And I finally got through the parable of the sower, and, the, and I struggled with that for quite some time, but we got through that last week. And today we're going to pick up again in verses 16 through 21, and I'm going to read it through once, and then we'll go back and take it a couple of verses at a time. So read with me if you would, beginning at verse 16. It says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel. Do you see where I got this shot? Shot it from a mountain thing? You see where that come from? Right there. No man, when he hath a light, hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, set it out in front, let people see it, that they may which enter in may see the light. Verse 17, For nothing is secret that, is, that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. Verse 19. Then came he to him his mother, then came he to, to his mother and his brethren, and could not come to him for the press. And it was told him, verse 20, by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee, and he answered, and he said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. I think about what it says over in Hebrews. We've been studying the book of Hebrews. Wherefore, holy brethren. That's all of those that were right in front of the Lord Jesus at that time. There were so many people in the house that his own mother, brothers and sisters of blood, could not come in. And he says this, the house of God is my family. I have a large family myself. I come from a children of five, two stepsisters and five brothers and sisters of the blood. You're my family. You're my family. Gene Harmon pastored this church for 38 years and he to this day after being gone for five years says, my family is there in rescue. You be sure to tell them how much I love them. I don't do that enough. He loves you. He loves you as much, if not more, than his own six children. You're my family. Our Lord has just given and explained the parable of the sower. The seed that was spread on the wayside, that landed on the ground on the wayside, the seed that landed in the, the rocks, the seed that landed in the, in the ground with the thorns and in the good seed. And we looked at that last week, how that points to us and the narrow way that it is to God. There are not hundreds of ways that people come to God. There's only one. And that's through His Son, the Lord Jesus. Through the blood of God that was shed on that cross for all of those for whom the Father gave with Him before the world was. Amen. That's the only way. I know many Christians who, oh, there's all kinds... There's, he saves every. He saves in all kinds of different churches. It, it's not just your way there in, back, in rescue. No, you're right. It's not just our way here in rescue. It's the way of those folks who preach the gospel over there in Yuba City. It's the way of those who preach the gospel down there in San Diego. Several churches we know of personally back in Tennessee and Kentucky. And there may be some churches down in Sacramento that I don't know about. So you're right. It's not just in rescue. But there's still only one way. Amen. And that's per His Word. Amen. Our Lord says, I am the way. 
He doesn't say, I am many ways, or there are many ways to me. He says, I am the way. So the Lord taught in the parable there was only one way. And now he's going to give us an example of this. That which God teaches us by his grace, that which he has given to you and I, faith, <laughs> to believe in him, that which he has taught us through his word, that we are saved by grace through faith, which is a gift of God, not of works, lest man should boast. He says this, he says, go out and proclaim. Tell it on a mountain. So let your light shine, is what it's saying. Look with me again, if you would, at verses 16 and 17. No man, when he hath lit the candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under the bed, but sitteth, setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that, is, that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. No one lights a candle and hides it. No one... I got a light. I'm going to close all the curtains. Nobody, I don't want anybody to see inside my house. Well, some of us may do that. What do we turn the light on for? We turn the light on for so whoever comes into the house can see what's going on. You don't stub your toe on the, on the table or something. Or step on the dog who will bite you, by the way, if you do that. I know. No one hides. No one lights a candle so they can hide it from everything. It's there to put light where there was darkness. The reason for lighting the candle is that it may be held forth and shine the light into the darkness. Whenever we read or hear these words from the lips of our Savior, we, we ought to first stop and think of ourselves. Think about it. Ourselves. You remember the day you first heard the gospel preached here at Rescue? Or any other church that you may have come from? If they preach the truth, we must think of ourselves. If somebody had taken the light of the gospel, and we know what the light of the gospel is, the Lord says, I'm the light. Just like he's the way, he's the light. Light had come into the world, and men would not have it, would they? No, they ran from the light. Why? Because the light exposes what we are. Folks, you're not a sinner because of what you've done. You've done what you've done because you're a sinner. We're all sinners. These beautiful children, they're sinners too. They need saving as much as all the adults. We're sinners. And Christ came to save sinners. That's what we're singing on the mountain. We're not out here teaching and singing that, hey, God loves everybody if you'll just let Him. No. We're teaching God came and saved those He loves. That's what the Bible said. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. I came to save sinners. That's what He said. Was it not God that revealed that light to you in the preaching of His gospel? Thinking of yourself. If you have a light of the gospel in you, do you not have a desire for those to come to the gospel? I was excited. I, I, I can't tell you. We don't get a lot of visitors here. To see you folks come in through the door and introduce yourselves and say, we're just here to check you out. That excites me. Why? Because it's God's light that's going out. It excites me as much as it does to see you folks who come every Sunday. Gisela, when she can get off of work to be here. 
You know, she gets, it, she gets off work late on Sunday morning sometimes. It's very difficult for her to make it. Diane comes all the way down out of Georgetown. It's very difficult for her to be here. I'm excited to see you because God has brought you here to hear His Word. Just as He's brought the rest of us. It's exciting. I want you to see the light of God, the Son of Jesus, the, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see Him. I don't want to hide it under some, this is only for you who show up at such and such dates. No. I've said this before to you. Do not the people around you know who God is, who your God is? Who is your God, James? He's the sovereign Lord of all things. Do not. And everybody who you work with knows that. Absolutely knows it. You don't go around beating them over the head with a Bible saying, see this? No. His walk in this life. You cannot know who God is without expressing the fact that He rules everything about you. How come you're not all upset about what's going on over in the Middle East? Because my Lord's controlling that as much as He is anything else. How come you're not all upset about what's going on in our schools? The Lord, He's in control of that as well as anything else. Does He not tell us in His Word, Romans 8, 28, that all things? Does He not say that? All things? All things are for our good? To them who are called? Do you want to hide that? Underneath your cot? Oh, I hope and pray not. We ought to rejoice and thank Him for it. But He's also given us the gospel to trust. To go out and give. He's put the light of divine truth into our hands so that we might carry it forth into the world of darkness for the salvation of others who were chosen in Christ before the world began. Redeemed sinners. Folks, God did not give us the knowledge of His Son, the knowledge of His grace, the knowledge of His salvation so that we might simply profess it within ourselves, admire it, we're saved. We're saved by His grace. Maybe discuss it with here, those here and there. But that we might proclaim it to the world. The gospel is a treasure. It's committed unto our hands with which we have been entrusted with it. Listen to the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We have this, but we have this treasure, the treasure of the gospel, the treasure of God Almighty, the treasure of His love for His people, the treasure of grace in earthen vessels. That's what we are. It's in us. It's in us to go out and proclaim to the world that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You'll never hear me say what I have done to be saved because I have done nothing. You'll never hear one of God's children say what He have done to be saved because they have done nothing. Our salvation is of the Lord and of the Lord alone. That trust that the Lord has given us comes with a, a great weight of responsibility. It is the responsibility of every believer, every local church, and every gospel preacher to do one thing, and that is proclaim the gospel of Christ. You heard me say when I came into this pulpit, I am not going to be your counselor. I am not here to tell you how to live. God's Word does a great job of that. That's what I'm here to do, is to preach about Christ. To tell you what He's done for me in my life. To express to you what he's doing, what he's done for all of his people. 
Not the whole world, but for those that He laid down His life for. For those that He shed His blood for. One of our dear brothers struggles with tearing up when he tries to pray. Why? Because the grace of God dwells in him. And he knows what he is before God. And he knows that when he's speaking to the Lord, his face should be in the dirt where it belongs and praising the Lord for His grace to him. And that's why. I remember I used to be able to... When, I first, when the Lord first called me out of darkness, I was sitting here and I would sing that song, Amazing Grace. And it was a long time, folks. You know, I don't know what happened to me. Something happened. And I just got all teary-eyed and stuff all of a sudden. I, you know, I didn't cry over anything before. I'm not trying to say I was a tough guy. I'm not. I was never a tough guy. But very few things made me cry. I couldn't sing the song Amazing Grace without tearing up for a long time. It's still there in my heart. I just don't tear up. But I, I understand what it is experience. To experience God saving a sinner like me. And if you're a child of God, you've experienced it too. You know what it is. You know what the grace of God is in coming to that cold, dead heart that would not have Him rule over you and cutting it away and giving you a heart that now says, He is Lord. Even when I didn't know it, He's Lord. Even when I didn't want Him, He was Lord. And I'm so thankful that He was and that He is. <laughs> this is what we shout from the mountaintops. This is the new song. It's the song of grace for His people. It is our responsibility to go into the world and proclaim the gospel of Christ to make Christ known in the generation that we live in. Turn over to Matthew chapter 28 if you would. We're talking about the responsibility. The responsibility that God has given us. And over in Matthew 28, the last chapter of Matthew, we read in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore, go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth, ends of the world. Amen. Listen to 1 Corinthians. Go back to your text there in Luke and I'll read for you a couple of verses. One from 1 Corinthians 9.16. For though I preach the gospel, writes Paul, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me, if I preach not the gospel. Woe is unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Ephesians 3, Paul writing again, he says, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints. Can you get that? Did you catch that? Paul's written more books than any of the other saints in the Bible. God has used him in great and mighty ways. And he calls himself the least. I say the same thing about me, but it's true about me. I am the least. The bottom of that chain, way down below. All the other ministers, way above me. I am the least, he says, of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ 
when we hear these words or when we read these words that we read in Luke chapter 8 verse 16 they're spoken from the lips of our dear Savior we ought to also think of others what about our guests who are here for the first time maybe this is the first time they've heard this God remember when it was your first time I remember it like it was yesterday that was 20 some odd years ago yeah I remember it well we must also think of others folks we live in a world of darkness a darkness that we've all walked in at one time. The multitudes around us in, their, in our homes or in our communities around the nation, around the world, they're all in that same path that you and I were on, the path that leads to destruction. Behold, the peoples of the world allow us to preach the gospel that the Lord may fix their hearts. Not fix them, but remove them and give them a new heart. Teach them and tell them that they are without God, they are without Christ, without hope. Is there nothing that we can do for them? Indeed there is. Indeed there is. We can and must hold forth in this dark world the light of the gospel with an earnestness and a zeal that God has given us for himself. Turn over to Romans chapter 9. In Romans 9, we read the first three verses. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness and a continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. You say, what does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. That means that I would give up if there was possible for me to stop and say right now, for my son and my daughter, grown adults, if I could give myself that they might know the Lord, I would do so. And I'll bet all of you would do the same for yours as well. That's what that's saying. Paul's talking about his kinsmen, his brethren, according to the flesh. Look at another one, if you would, over at Romans chapter 10. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Is that not your prayer for your loved ones? I know 99% of our prayers are for ourselves, right? They are with me. That other 1%, though, is for my family, for my wife. I know she's already saved, but for my children. My heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel that they might be saved. Look at one more, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We begin reading in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's what we're doing, singing from the mountaintop crying out that the Lord has come. We persuade men. We do the best we can with our lips, but it takes God to do it. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we command not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on your behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. <coughs> For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for you to cause, for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one die for all, then all are dead. J.C. Ryle, 
wrote these words. He said, the, higher, the highest form of selfishness is that of a man who is content to go to heaven alone. The truest charity is to endeavor to share with others every spark of religious gospel light that we possess. And so hold forth our own candle that it may give light to everyone around us. God never lights a candle that it may burn alone. Back in our text in Luke verse 17, our Lord is declaring that the gospel must and shall be preached in all the world. Remember the context of what we're reading. Though in the day of judgment all things shall be brought to light in the sense that God will cause all men to see clearly what He has done. This is not what it's declaring here. It's not that God is going to show the world all of our innermost secrets and thoughts. Our Lord here is telling us that the things then hidden and spoken in parables. Remember, what's He doing? He's preaching in parables. Taking into context what we read here in verse 17 with the parable of the sower. Remember, not everybody understood what that parable was, did they? That's what He's talking about. Those who have been given the understanding openly proclaim in this gospel day to them by his church and by faithful gospel preachers in the years to come. Listen to Matthew 24, 14. I won't be much longer. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Secondly, we hear our God, what we see here is in Luke 8, verse 18. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which seemeth to have. This is teaching us that we must take heed how we hear the gospel. And we've spent a couple of weeks talking about that. Examine yourselves. Are you in the faith? Is the preacher standing before you preaching the truth? Or is it like that sign out there? That sign where we walk in the door. If your God is trying, then your preacher is lying. That's what that's talking about. Take heed. You're to put me to the test, folks. You're to be, if, if I say something wrong that is contrary to the truth of God's grace and gospel, you're to come to me afterwards and say, I don't understand what you said. That wasn't correct. I know because I'm looking at the Bible, John. That's what the Brians did. They looked at their Bible. In today's world, where they got this uh, big screen TV going on, and they got one or two verses that go up there. You need a Bible, folks. If you don't have one, come to me. I'll give you one. Research the Scriptures. We're diligent as the Brians were making sure the man standing before you is saying what he's supposed to. It says, Take heed therefore how you hear. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. Whosoever hath not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. The degree to which we will benefit from the ministry of the Word of God depends greatly upon the way we hear it. If all you're hearing is a little bit each time you come to church and the rest of the time you're wandering off thinking about that or the game is right after church today. Or in my case, there's a golf tournament going on. <laughs> going to church and hearing sermons will do us no good folks unless we hear it right unless we hear it right we would hear the word of God right we must lay to heart 
four simple rules for hearing it. First off, be sure that you hear what you hear is the gospel. Many churches, many folks like to say, John, there's just there's way more to the to the Bible than than what you're preaching. You're you're just missing out on so much. No, I'm not. The Bible says, go forth and preach the gospel. Go forth and preach the gospel. Be sure what you hear is the gospel. Hear the word of God as the word of God. When we read these words, this is from God himself. How important is this word to you? How important is this whole Bible to you? This is the only truth that I know of in this whole world. I don't know what this means to you, but this means truth to me. I know it's the truth to God's people. Hear the word as the word of God with reverence. Be sure you hear the gospel with faith, not as the word of man, but as the word of God. Listen to Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 2. We were looking at this in today's Bible study. Let us therefore fear, it says. Why would God inspire somebody for you and I to fear? Let us therefore fear, it says, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest. If any of you should seem to come short of it, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, speaking of those that were in the wilderness after God delivered them out of Egypt. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith and then it hurt. Be sure that what you're listening to from whoever stands in the pulpit, you're hearing it with the faith of who God is. And then lastly, hearing the word with prayer. Praying for God to bless it to your own soul. Third thing I want to consider here is verses 19 and 21, and I'll make this real quick. This will go, go fast. Then came him to his mother and his brethren, and could not come unto him at him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. We are taught by these verses that those and those only who hear and obey the gospel are the family of God. What blessed privileges are ours in Christ. Do you consider it a privilege to share the gospel? Do you consider it a privilege? I come short of that. I come short of that. I wished, I wished I'd consider it more. But I am so weak. You folks may be strong in your faith. And I pray that you are. But if you're like me, weak, Weak in every way. Every way. Lord, help me to see the privilege that you have given me to be one who is loved by you. <coughs> the person who hears the word of God and does it is the sinner who hearing the gospel calls and comes to Christ. Did you catch that? That's as simple it is, folks calling and coming to God Almighty. They hear who He is and they come. 
Why do you go to that church all the way up there in Rescue, California, John? There's thousands of churches right here by you in North Highlands. Because that's where I hear about God in His true form. Ask Kathy. For the first five years that the Lord called me out of darkness, I spent many a day. Bill would be able to tell you if he was here today. I kept going to him saying, Hey, Bill, let's go. Just look at, I, I see the advertisement for this church. Let's go over and check it out. Maybe they preach the gospel. Ah, no way, John. Forget it. Rescue is where they preach the gospel. And sure enough, I'd go to the church and I'd hear something about free will. It's up to you, John. <sighs> okay. Therefore, my salvation is up to me. That's not what Scripture says. Doing, doing what the Lord has told us to do, we come to Christ. We come to hear the gospel. We come to Christ that we may hear what He has done and come. What has He done? He has completely purged His people of their sins. He hasn't done some of it, shed His blood, and now it's up to you to do some more. He's done it all. He's done everything that's needed. Everything that He's required, He provides. And as God, what He provides is perfect. Does that make sense? Is that not true? Is that what the Lord says? Everything the Son did pleased the Father, therefore it was perfect, right? They come and they hear where He is right now. He's on His throne, ruling, interceding for all of His people. That one's mine. No, devil, you can't charge Him because I've already been charged for what He did. That, one, that one's mine. You, you, can't, you can't condemn Him for it. I was condemned in his place. That's the Lord speaking for his people right now on his throne. The Master says, believe on me. And guess what? <laughs> Just like the disciples that he was walking by the seashore and said, hey, come, follow me, and I shall make you fishers of men. And what did they do? They got up and followed him. I sat right there in that chair. Remember, what were you sitting, Gisela? And And... And my sister poked me in the side, just like that. I said, what? What would you do that for? She goes, look at you. You're sitting on the edge of your seat. I went home, and the next Sunday, Kathy goes, where are you going this week? So I'm going to go to church again. Why? I don't know. I'm just going. I know now why. The power of God was speaking to me. I couldn't live without it. You know, James was sick really bad. He was very sick two weeks ago, folks. He showed up last Friday, not this Friday, but the Friday before that. I didn't think he was going to be here. I thought he was going to take that weekend off too and stay home and get well. He shows up and he goes, no, I couldn't, do, I couldn't stay home anymore. I needed to be here. Yeah. You're here today because you need to be here. Because God has brought you here today. Oh, that's what the gospel does. He says, follow me and we follow. Without question, to obey the gospel will bring a man or a woman great trouble. To believe on the Lord Jesus is to take up our cross and follow Him. It is to enlist in an army to engage in combat with the world and the flesh and the devil. The privileges infinitely outweigh the cost. Let us make it our business to do what we can in this day for the furtherance of the gospel and the salvation of God's elect. Let us take heed how we hear the Word of God and let us always hold before our hearts and our minds the great privileges 
that are ours. These privileges that are ours are privileges that are given to us in Christ Jesus our Lord, who has loved us from the foundation of the world, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, and is now on his throne in heaven, intercession for his people. Amen. Praise the Lord. Sing it from a mountain. Don't be bashful, folks. We live in the woods, in the mountains. Sing it from a mountain.